The real estate market is booming. Whether you look in the suburbs or the city, Chicago continues to expand, creating incredible opportunities for those in the know. We'll connect with Chicago's real estate moguls to bring you the wisdom and expertise to help make your next real estate move a lucrative one on the Real Estate Moguls Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Real Estate Moguls Podcast. My name is Stephanie Welter. I'm with Keller Williams Success Realty in Barrington, and I'm joined today by a very special guest, Mr. Michael Chance. He is a partner and senior mortgage consultant at ClearPath Mortgage, formerly known as Key Financial Sources, which is where I originate loans out of. Thank you for coming today, Mike. Oh, thanks for having me, Steph. I know you're super excited to be here, and you love public experiences. I do. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I brought you on here, though, for a reason. I know despite, you know, being the, the lead guy over at our company, um, you don't really love going to talk to, like, brokerages and things like that. So I figured a podcast is a good place for us to talk and get um, some basic mortgage F, uh, frequently asked questions out of the way. So, for sure. Yeah. So I oftentimes work with first-time homebuyers, and they know absolutely nothing. So I kind of want to keep this a little bit geared towards them, but also towards people that are a little bit more you know, engaged in the market and savvy and looking for more up-to-date information from you. So I've got a few questions I want to ask. And first and foremost, we've seen the rates go up about a point since last year. At least. Right. So talk to me a little bit about what's going on with the market, what we should expect this upcoming year and, you know, the impetus behind it all. Well, a lot of it has to do with uh, inflation. Um, They are going to be raising short term interest rates. I believe it's predicted to go up uh, about a half a percent in March with the turmoil in Ukraine right now. um, I've also been hearing that they may take a step back and only raise it a quarter percent. So I guess we'll see what's going to happen with that. Um, as far as what's going to happen in the future, I mean, that's really one of those things that's impossible to, uh, predict. So I'm not going to make any assumptions as to what's going to happen, but I've been hearing that rates are going to stay, you know, somewhat about where they're at, um, maybe go up a little bit somewhere staying in the forest through the end of the year, but who knows if that's going to be the case or not, I guess uh, only time will tell. Yeah, so for those of you that did not refinance last year when I told you to, (laughs) now we're going above four. We were at like 2.875 last year, so. Right, rates were fantastic. Yeah. uh, A lot of people were able to take advantage of some great interest rates. Yeah, we did a lot of refis. Mm -hmm. In the grand scheme of things, though, I think, you know, 4% is still good. I know a lot of people that are over five still. Yeah, I think we're a little bit spoiled now. I think, um, you know, rates, if you go back to like, you know, Reagan Carter. I mean, you're talking rates into teens. And mm-hmm. when I started back in 2001, I mean, we were refinancing loans into like a six and a half percent, uh, 30 year fixed, um, 6% 15 year. So to be where we're at now, where we were doing, you know, sub 3% 30 year, and even at sometimes sub 2% on a 15 year, it's absolutely ridiculous. I yeah. mean, so when you're looking at a 4% interest rate, is it a bad rate? Absolutely not. Um, it's actually a fantastic interest rate still. So Yeah. So going forward, we'll probably be looking at more purchases um, versus the refi boom that we just got through. Um, but like you said, can't predict the future, and people can still take advantage of cash-out refis, which I've been doing quite a few of lately just because people want to take advantage of the equity. Because you know, coming from the real estate side, house values are higher than they've ever been. 
And sometimes a cash out refinance is a great, I mean, even if you're, you know, your rate is going up a little bit to be able to get rid of a lot of that um, high interest rate debt or anything like that, it's it's definitely uh, something that can help you with cash flow. I mean, maybe your interest rate isn't the greatest, but if you're coming out of pocket hundreds of dollars to pay for credit cards and student loans and, and anything else like that, it's sometimes it's not a bad idea to go ahead and just refinance, you know, do the cash out, get yeah. rid of that debt and start fresh. Yeah, that is like, I love talking about that and debt consolidation. And even for me, I think it makes a lot of sense to take it out and remodel your home because then your loan to value is going to go right back up because you've put these improvements in it. So that's correct. Yeah. And most of the time anyways. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Depends who you hire. Exactly. So. <laughs> um, so real basic info, you know, I'm obviously a loan officer, so I know this stuff, but the people listening probably don't. So there's different types of loan products. You've got your FHA, you've got VA, you know, your conventional. Um, there's home, uh, first-time home buyer products like Home Possible and Home Ready. Um, give us a quick rundown of kind of the difference between those, you know, different types of products and what you would recommend for people based on their scenarios. Well, I think um, conventional loans are more geared towards people that have. Um, pretty good credit scores, um, decent down payment, things like that. Now, Home Possible and Home Ready are kind of a spinoff of a conventional loan, which for first-time home buyers, and actually not even only for first-time home buyers, but they'll allow you to do um, loans with 3% down for a purchase. And Which is awesome. Yeah. And on those particular pro- uh, programs, you get some pretty good interest rates, maybe better than a regular conventional interest rate. Maybe your mortgage insurance could be slightly reduced. Um, But another one of the nice things about, uh, um, well, not really one of the nice things, but a restriction on the Home Ready Home Possible is it's stuck at 80% of the area median income, uh, meaning that you need, like, for example, Cook County, in most places, you're going to be somewhere around, you need to make less than like 72,000 in order to qualify for it. If you're above that, then you would be stuck going on a regular conventional loan. Right. Conventional loans, I believe they increased the loan amount, uh, loan limits on that to somewhere around just under six fifty. I want to say it's like six hundred and forty-seven thousand and change. Um, so, you know, that's geared towards people that want to put. You, there are three percent down programs on a regular conventional without going home ready, home possible, but you have to be a first-time home buyer to take advantage of that. You can't um, not be like you can on the home ready, home possible, where you can be a first-time home buyer or not. Right. Um, FHA, FHA is geared more towards, you know, for, for me, what I see when it works better is lower credit score and low down payments. For example, you can do a 3% down conventional loan or a home ready home possible, but at the same time, it gets a little bit difficult if your credit score is not the greatest. Um, you can meet all the minimum requirements, but at the end of the day, the computer has to give you that approval and a lot of times if you have a lower credit score and you're not putting much money down you just don't get that approval right where on an fha you can and the rates there's you know pluses and minuses to conventional or fha a lot of things with fha the the minus on an fha is sometimes a monthly mortgage insurance is going to be more expensive on an fha Mm-hmm. And they're also going to charge you an upfront mortgage insurance premium. So right. that's something that you have to take into consideration, too. The nice thing, though, is they don't make you pay for it out of pocket. 
you can roll that um, upfront mortgage insurance premium into the interest rate. Yeah. I always kind of like explain it like, you know, you're not in the greatest financial situation possible, but it gets you that foot in the door to homeownership and you can always refinance to conventional once you've boosted your score. Um, And FHA loans have really good interest rates right now. So even with the PMI, I'm like, it's still kind of, it's almost like aggressive against conventional looking at the difference right now. It is. Yeah, they're very good. Now, the one real nice thing about an FHA loan that a lot of people don't know about is on a conventional loan, single family FHA, you can do three and a half percent. Right. On a two to four unit FHA, you can get away with three and a half percent down. Oh. On a conventional loan, if you try to do a two-unit, I believe they require at least a minimum 15% down. And on three to four units, you're looking at probably 20 to 25% down on a conventional yeah. loan. So you can Even use Even if the it's F- your primary residence? It has to be if you're going FHA. Right. But for conventional, they're going to want yes. you know, 25% down on a four-unit. Even if it's primary, that's, that's, correct. that's so, hard for people to do. Right. And you can get away with moving it to an FHA loan and only having to put 3.5% down. Yeah. That makes sense. That's a good reason to use one if you don't Mm -hmm. necessarily have bad credit. Exactly. So they do have their place, and it's a great loan. It really is. Um, It just really depends on your personal situation and what exactly you're trying to accomplish. Right. So real quick, um, the VA loans are uh, for veterans, so those are pretty amazing. You can put nothing down. VA Um, loans are fantastic. Um, They do require nothing down. There's no monthly mortgage insurance. There is an upfront VA funding fee. I want to say it's, I think it's 2.3%. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure that's where it is for first-time use. And then it goes up if it's a subsequent use. But if you have any disability at all, that funding fee is waived. Yeah, and if you have, I think, 75% disability, you don't have to pay property taxes. 70% disability and no property taxes at all. That's awesome, and a great benefit to our veterans that serve the country. Very well-deserved. Yes. Um, so I just came from an amazing summit that, thank you to you and our company, um, I went to Austin to meet with one of our lenders called HomePoint, and we had a really great conversation about the difference between retail lenders and wholesale lenders. Can you kind of go over that with us? Because um, I don't think people know that they have a choice. Well, as a uh, wholesale lender, we work with, you know, when you go to the bank, you meet with your loan officer, that loan officer that you're meeting at the bank is that loan officer for that bank only. Like what Steffi and I do is basically we are loan officers for multiple different lenders. And because we're working with multiple different lenders, we're able to tailor a loan that's specific to exactly what you're looking for. Meaning, you know, some some banks require certain down payments. Some banks require others. Um, some banks are going to offer better interest rates for different types of deals and, and things like that. So we're able to just shop it around, um, in my opinion, better than you can at a bank. Um, and typically wholesale lenders, you know, from what I've been seeing, our pricing is, you know, just much sharper than the bank's pricing as well as far yeah. as rates. I like the word sharper. Um, yeah, they, they use that a lot at the summit and, mm-hmm. um, it's true. So when I get clients for real estate and, you know, obviously I'm required to tell them you have a choice, you don't have to go through me, you know, truth in lending, you know, you can go through any lender. I actually recommend people to price it out and say, okay, 
check out what all these other banks are offering. And 99.999% of the time they come back to me and they're like, your rate is so much better. And I'm like, yeah, we're wholesale. Like, we're amazing. Well, it's a combination of that. And for us at ClearPath, we don't believe in, you know, trying to make whatever we can on our borrowers. Um, We want to be in this for the long haul. We try to make a fair amount on all the loans that we do. So we're not gouging anyone. And our rates are like I said, I'll say it again, it's a little bit sharper mm. um, <laughs> than most other places because we make less than most other places do. Yeah. So we try to turn those savings over to the borrowers in hopes that you know we'll end up getting referrals and future business from them. Right. You get the volume. You exactly. Know? So we're not, you know, like you said, gouging. And you know, some of these other companies, I look at what they're paying their, their MLOs, I'm like, it sounds so enticing, but then you're like, you're never going to win a price out. Yeah. You know, so you got to really, I think we have the perfect combination where we're paid appropriately, but the customer is first. And we refer on the, the repeat business and I get people come back. I had people do like two and three refis in the last couple of years because it, they just kept going lower. Yep. Um. So yeah, <clears throat> it's great to be able to work for wholesale and to have that explained to me in a little more detail at the summit was helpful. So I'm passing that knowledge along that if you're looking to refinance or purchase, definitely do your homework on, you know, don't just go to one bank, go to a wholesale lender because they'll price you out with everyone. Exactly. You should always shop. I would usually advise people to shop two to three lenders. Um, and if you're shopping against ClearPath Financial, you're probably going to end up right back with us anyway. So. Yeah, exactly. And I, I actually like when people come that way versus feeling pressured. You know, right. I never want them to be like feeling like they have to go with me. Exactly. So when someone is getting a mortgage, so say I'm someone who's never bought a house before, what are some of the things I can expect? Because I try to like over prepare people because it's very invasive. And I've had clients that I did not prepare when I first started that were like, I'm not doing this. Like, why are you asking for my bank statements and my social security? And, you know, they think I'm I'm looking line by line through their bank statements. Like, I don't care. You know, I don't, I don't even look at them. I'm looking at the fact that you're providing them and that there's no red flags for underwriting. So how, how do you explain it to your borrowers, like the process that they're about to go through? Process, uh, the way I explain it is um, basically we do a loan application um, we can do it either online, over the phone, in person, however it is. We ask all the questions um, on a loan application. And then based on those questions, when we get to like the income part and I ask them what their employment is, they'll tell me if they're W-2, self-employed, you know, whatever it is. And then uh, based on how their employment is, I'm going to have to let them know, hey, if you're a W-2 employee, I need your most recent W-2. I need two pay stubs. Um if you're changing jobs or you have multiple jobs, we're going to need that for all the jobs. As far as bank statements, again, a lot of things are program specific. So if it's FHA, we can usually get away with one month bank statement. If it's conventional, depending on if we're putting it with one lender or another, we may require two months bank statements or one month bank statement. Um, on a purchase transaction, um, along with bank statements, we're also going to need to document earnest money. Um, if there's any gift money coming in from somebody, we need to document that as well. A lot of people are a little bit leery about the gift verification because on an FHA loan, we're asking for the donor's bank statements as well. And mm-hmm. a lot of people don't want you know, to bother their family, whoever's giving them the money, and ask them for that documentation. Right. But 
at the end of the day, it is what it is. <clears throat> and uh, regardless of, you know, what lender we use, we have to provide that documentation anyway. So it's better mm-hmm. to just let them know up front. Yeah. I always kind of fall back on, like, the entire American economy collapsed because loan officers weren't collecting documents and doing their job and making sure that people could actually pay back mortgages. And so now we're super strict. So, like, yeah. they're going to paper trail everything. If there's a deposit that's, you know, above 50% of what you're making on your, your gross monthly income, they want to know what that is. Or, you know, like, I made the mistake of getting my house, like, the month after I got married. So there was like 23 checks from our wedding. And, you know, you got to write I did the, the same thing. <laughs> did you? Like, I did. And they're like, oh, we need a letter of explanation for like, what are all these checks for? And, you know, so yeah, basically it's, they, they just want to know your exact financial situation. If you own land in Florida or a property in Florida, they have to document that against your debt to income. So it's really just the government doing their homework to make sure that the economy doesn't collapse. Well, the banks, basically, like, yeah. Just um, making sure that um, they have all the information they need because, you know, if you don't give them the information that they're looking for, then you're just not going to get the loan that you want. So Yeah, and if we don't collect up front, you know, you can have trouble down the line. So right. I always tell people don't fudge your application. Like, be as accurate as humanly possible because – that's what underwriting is. They're going to look at these numbers and make sure that you're telling a true story and that, you know, we can actually give you a loan. Yeah. And in my opinion, it's nearly impossible to, I mean, if you try to exclude something, you know, with the fraud checks and all the data verify information they have and all this kind of stuff, they're going to find it anyway. So it's best to be upfront, open, honest, let us know exactly what's going on. So we can figure out, you know, what we need to do in order to document any of those situations and or have a conversation with an underwriter and just say, hey, you know, this is their situation. Mm-hmm. Um, how can we deal with this? How can we get around it? Right. So when applying for mortgages, there's certain pitfalls that you want to avoid. And you kind of brushed on it when you were going through it, where it's like multiple jobs, things like that. And that's another thing I, I have to explain to people sometimes where it's like, okay, we want two years job history. You've had 14 jobs in the last two years. <laughs> We're going to have to get a verification of employment from your HR from every single one of those jobs. And so people get really mad because they feel like you're, you know, harassing them. And why do you need this? And I don't work for them anymore. It's like, this is the way the process is. And so there's really clean files and there's really ugly ones. And so some of the things that you can do to avoid an ugly file, for example, is to not have 14 jobs in two Mm -hmm. years. Um, what else can you do to make it clean, easy? Well, the number one thing that I see is don't open new trade lines. Once we run your credit report, if you have any new trade lines that you opened, let us know. And don't open any new ones until after you close. Mm. Because, again, they pull um, fraud checks, data verifies, and they are going to find those trade lines. And then it becomes somewhat of a pain in the neck. Um, to document those, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of people, well, I just got this credit card. I didn't even receive the account in the mail yet. And we need to document a balance and a payment. Even if it's zero, we still need to document And if they can't get online, then we're stuck waiting until they can. Yeah. We've had that happen before. Multiple times. And people get excited. They're under contract for a new house. So they're like, oh, I'm going to go to Home Goods and I'm going to buy all of my furniture, yep. you know, finance it. Well, it's like, Guess what? Now you can't get your house. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You got to be really careful when you're doing that kind of stuff. So Yeah. 
One of my favorite tools to use when running alone is, um, you taught me this, is the the credit simulator app. Yep. Um, so you can like basically look at someone's credit report, pull up what's called a simulator, and say like, all right, if I put $35 towards my Best Buy card, my Equifax is going to go up by 30 points or whatever. This is a theoretical, obviously. Don't just pay off Best Buy. Um, <laughs> but it's the coolest tool ever because it's accurate. And so I can actually tell my borrowers, like, hey, you're just shy of a conventional credit score. If you pay off this you know, $100 or something stupid low, you can save the deal and you know go conventional or home possible, when, whereas you were going to be going FHA with a PMI. Um, what are some of the cool tools of the trade that you use? Because you've taught me so much. You are like the guru. Well, I use the credit analyzer a lot. I use a uh, what-if simulator that's on there as well. It's It actually is very helpful um, because you can go through and you can, you know, put in there, well, what if I open a new trade line and mm-hmm. put that in there? What's going to happen to my score? What if I pay off these medical collections and get them deleted? How is that going to impact my score? So there's all these different tools that we have for credit. Um, other than that, I mean, we have also automated underwriting. That's another thing that we use, which basically everybody uses, kind of we have to. But once we get all the information, um, we run it through either Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, or Total Scorecard for FHA, and it's going to tell us if that loan is approved or not. Mm-hmm. And it's the exact same software that the underwriter uses, so mm-hmm. it's basically you know, garbage in, garbage out. So if you put everything the right way, you're going to get an accurate answer. But if people are giving you misinformation and you're trying to run it through with that information, um, then it, you're not going to get an accurate answer. And that goes back to what you were saying about, you know, tell us everything up front. You yeah. know, let us make us aware of your situation or whatever things you're worried about so we can make sure that we're putting all our information in there the correct way to make sure that we get a correct answer yeah because you don't want to waste their time and i'm sure they don't want to waste ours and the sellers and and as a realtor yeah i guarantee that you're not happy when somebody issues a pre-approval letter and you spend weekends and hours and hours showing people houses only to find out that they're not approved to get one anyways yeah i've had that happen that's why i like doing my own loans because i'm like completely immersed in the file i know like down to the penny what they can afford right um so yeah, I, I actually have a buyer now that's not going through me, and it's I forget what a headache it is to have that middleman where I'm like I gotta constantly contact this person. This is really right. annoying. And then you don't really you know it's hard because as a realtor you always want to know what's going on to make sure that you know your deal is moving forward. But mm-hmm. I guess when you're not the loan officer on it, it's hard to know that information without again like you said contacting them repeatedly trying to find out what's going on so yeah and like i'll forget steps like for example i forgot to send the count the contract to the lender and i'm like waiting for the appraisal to be ordered i reach out to him he's like i didn't know we were doing this i'm like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it's i that's like my niche that's how i sell myself it's like i'm realtor and loan officer it's really helpful for the client it's helpful for me um but yeah it's um Otherwise, there's like this chain of people and that that is regardless, you know, even if you do have me for both. But like that's one of the biggest issues I have with this industry is like we are the middlemen of middlemen of middlemen of middlemen of middlemen. Like it just like the the chain never ends. It is. And it's a pain in the neck sometimes, too, because we can work on a loan and get it done as fast as we possibly can. And then 
you know, let's say the appraiser's backed up. Now we're waiting a week, week and a half for that. Let's say the bank is backed up and we need to get underwriting done. Mm -hmm. I mean, when the refinances were going like crazy, these, some of the banks were taking a week or maybe even longer to underwrite some of the files. Now it's not so bad. It's usually a few days in underwriting, but it does, you know, when, when the volume picks up, it does get to the point that um, sometimes you're waiting a week just to get an answer. Yeah, so. and every day your client is yelling at you right? because um, it's your fault. <laughs> everything, everything is the, uh, well, if you're a realtor, everything's the realtor's fault. If you're the loan officer, everything's the loan officer's fault. So Yeah, yeah, it's a fun job. Um, <laughs> I actually, I, I've embraced it. A lot it. of sleepless nights. When I first started, my husband has a story where he remembers this file. I think it was my second loan ever where I was laying on the floor, the kitchen floor, just crying because it was the one where they reported like 50 grand or 60 grand. And then we got the, the taxes and it was 20 grand. And we were like, oh, shoot. Yep. Um, but we saved the deal. I just want to say that. Um, <laughs> um, there's a lot of emotions in it. But I think the longer you're in the game, the more creative you can get with the solution. So there's people that... You know, I've I've gotten a little bit of a reputation from other realtors in my office as like the deal saver, and I have to pass that along to you because I get like a really hairy deal that some other lender couldn't solve. I'm gonna call Mike Chance. Like Mike Chance is, I, if I can explain this to you people, like he's like a human calculator and a very creative thinker. So like, talk about utilizing resources like the credit simulator, things like that. So like, some other lender is gonna look at this and say like there's absolutely no way. And you're going to look at it and say like, hmm, what if we did this? Well, I've been doing this since, uh, I don't know, I think it's almost 22 years now. And, you know, I kind of learned a lot of the tricks along the way, but worked with a lot of good people that uh, helped me, you know, learn everything that I know um, throughout my time doing this. And um, I've you know, just try to pass it along to my loan officers and help them out as best I can. And some deals you just can't do, but other ones, there's sometimes some ways that you can uh, make them work. So Yeah, you've come through on a number of deals, and thank you. You're um, welcome. Yeah, because I know I'm a pain in the butt sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> <Never>. <laughs> Understatement of the century. <laughs> Never. Um, but yeah, so speaking of people that you lean on, um, Chris Fleener. Oh, that's, that's my guy right there. That's my uh, one of my probably my all-time greatest account executive at one of my lenders. Um, the guy is just a walking guideline. Yeah. You know, he's just, if I don't know something, you know, he'll know the answer. And nice thing about him too is, you know, he's has connections to get in front of decision makers basically yeah. where, you know, as a loan officer, we're kind of stuck, right? If we have a question or we need to get something done, sometimes, <clears throat> Sometimes it's not an easy question that we can just talk to an underwriter about. Sometimes it's got to go to head of credit underwriting or something like that. Um, and Chris can get that done. So it's very helpful to have someone like him in our corner so that when we have loans that we need to get answers on, he can get those answers that we need. Right. Yeah, because I think a lot of the other account executives <clears throat> that we work with, um, they, they're, not, they're trying to sell products. They're trying to sell you know, their newest technology or this or that. But when you need them... They're not there. They have no idea how to run a loan or answer a question. And Chris, I had the pleasure of finally meeting him in person um, a couple weeks ago. I've talked to him on the phone probably dozens, if not hundreds of times. But he is basically Chris Traeger from Parks and Recreation. I don't know if you've seen that no. show. So Chris Traeger is um, 
oh, I can't think, uh, Rob Lowe plays him, and he's like uh, super athletic, like whole grains and uh, pescatarian. He's going yes. for a jog every day, and he's getting his gallon of water a day. And you're just a really healthy man. <laughs> he is, yeah. I mean, we get like donuts and cookies sent to us around Christmas time from a lot of clients and, and banks, and Chris sends uh, peanuts. So. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he's a character, and I, I absolutely love getting to know him. So I wanted to yeah, make sure awesome. that we talked about him a little bit today because he's really come through, like, as an account executive and a person and a mentor. And, you know, he's he's saved some deals, again, that I didn't think we can get saved and appraisers that were out of their minds. We can get those tossed. When, that's really hard to do. And it is. He, he talks to the right people, like you said. Yeah, like I said, he has... Uh the right connections at his bank to be able to, again, like I said, talk to not just an underwriter, but actual decision makers, people that, you know, underwriting these days, to me, it's kind of like checking boxes. If you can't check the box, you can't get the loan. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you have somebody that has the ability to get you to a decision maker or somebody that can actually think for themselves, it really helps and makes things a lot easier. Yeah. So... I know we only have like a couple minutes <clears throat> left. I just wanted to, you said you've been doing this for 22 years. Yeah, just about. How did you get started? Is I, this your dream job? Oh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I started, I think I was 24 years old. I was working at the airport and... Uh, really? Yeah. What did you do at the airport? I was a uh, import-export manager hmm. over there and wanted George a career Costanza. change. George I went, Costanza did that, I think. Did he? <laughs> yeah. One of I, his fake jobs. I remember they flew me out to uh, uh, somewhere in Texas. I don't remember the actual city that we were at. And one of the guys over there is, you know, one of the questions was, where do you see yourself in three, five, ten years, whatever it was? And my only answer at that point was not here. Uh. And, you know, the lifers over there are looking at me and they're like, oh, no, I'll see you here next year. And, you know, to me, that just wasn't an option. So um, I knew Stan Deminsky. I've known him for a long time. Stan's the president of... Uh, uh, clear path, and he actually decided he wanted to open a mortgage company. I didn't know anything about mortgages at all, but he gave me a shot. Oh, that's nice. I didn't know that. Yeah, basically I that's how it Stan. worked. Yeah, and then after that, you know, the rest is history. Then uh, been running it this whole time. It took a lot of work, and um, I remember an underwriter asked me for a note, and my response to the underwriter was, "What do you want the note to say?" Because I had absolutely <laughs> was so green, I had no idea of anything. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, it just, uh, started there and now we're 22 years later. Yeah. And you've got a good team. Um, my brother, I know is one of your top, uh, producers, if not top besides yourself. Um, my friend Billy is on the team. Yeah. Um, these are guys I grew up with and did you that, grow up with John too? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, remind me to show you a picture when we, <laughs> when we finish this. But yeah, I grew up with Johnny, Billy. Um, they were all on the block. So we called ourselves the Cobra Club. And um, so yeah, to see those guys doing it. And then Tim did my refi. And I was like, oh, I understood the process. I loved it. My husband was like pulling his hair out. My husband is one of those people that's like super skeptical of loan officers or people in general. It's like, what do they want? This? I don't understand. And like, this number is different than the last one. And so you decided I, to learn it all yourself so yeah. you can explain it to him. Yeah. And, and to me, I was like, you know, I'm the middleman between Tim and my husband. And it, I was able to explain it. And it, for some reason, it like lit a fire in me. And I sat with that for like a couple of years before I eventually took the test. But I was like, I like this. I like that it's black and white. I like that 
Tim was able to show me like, okay, if you do this, your rate is this. If you do that, your rate is that. And if you don't want to bring cash to close, you can roll this in. Or yeah. if you want an escrow account, you can have one. Or if not, you got to remember to pay your taxes. And I thought that stuff was interesting. I love it. I think it's a good fit for you too, because you're very outgoing, uh, people person. I think you actually like talking to people and helping people <laughs> and, and all that kind of stuff. So that's always a, a help when you're so trying to do I sales and everything. So I lack in like skills, I make up for it <laughs> talking to people. Well, you know, like I said, the number one part of the job to me is, you know, at the end of the day, everybody does this or, or does their job or maybe they have some satisfaction in it. Maybe they don't, but to me, you know, the satisfaction that we get out of doing this is, you know, I have some lady coming up to me after closing, you know, crying and gives me a hug saying, oh, thank you so much. I never yes. thought I was going to be able to get into this house. And, you know, yes. now we have this place to live. And it just gives you a feeling like you actually help somebody. And it's a great feeling. I love that. And I love that you brought that up because my brother gets like all these super easy files and probably ungrateful clients because they expect it because they are great clients and right i'm the queen of the ugly file i got plenty of them too so i love those people though because they're human beings they're trying to get a house for their family and everyone is telling them no right and we get to tell them yes like how great is our job i'm doing one right now for a lady that wants to buy a house first time home buyer and she's got a 535 credit score mm. nobody thought that you know she went to four or five lenders before um i don't even know how she got my information but before she ended up uh, calling me and i was able to get it done so she's in, under contract right now and supposed to be closing in april 1st so that's amazing those mm. are the stories that i love and that's why i love my job and i'm so grateful to you for giving me a shot. I know that it was a difficult training period, but I hope that I'm less annoying now. Oh, no, you're fine. <laughs> um, thank you for doing the podcast today. It's my pleasure. Yeah, and um, if anyone has any questions about loans, the mortgage process, home buying, um, come to Mike Chance, come to me, come to ClearPath, because we are human beings there. It's not like you're going through a computer and you're just getting an output that's not necessarily accurate. We can run scenarios. It's free. We like doing it. Right. And Mike is a freaking genius. So well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks again. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, Steph.